A reading from Genesis 28, 10 through 19. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. The Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place, that place, Bethel. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Well, holy God, in these moments of quiet and stillness, continue to speak your word to us, your word of love and grace and invitation. Grab hold of us, O oh Lord, amidst all the noises and shouts and sounds that are clamoring for our attention. May you grab hold of us and speak to us in such a way that we will not miss it. For we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I wonder if you remember that old story about the airplane that was about to crash. There were four passengers, but only three parachutes. The first passenger said, I'm a leading heart surgeon. My patients need me. He grabbed the first parachute and he jumped out. The second passenger said, I'm a rocket scientist, one of the smartest people in the world. My country needs me. He grabbed the second parachute and jumped out. The third passenger was the Pope. He said to the fourth passenger, a 10-year-old Boy Scout, son, I'm old and frail. You take the last parachute. To which the Boy Scout responded, that's okay, sir. There are two parachutes left. The world's smartest man just jumped out of this airplane with my backpack. <laughs> Life is filled with surprises, isn't it? 
in this morning's scripture that Gabe read with such faith and, and power. Jacob's surprising encounter with God at Bethel invites us to consider where we as individuals and as a congregation meet God unexpectedly on life's journey. God appears to Jacob en route unexpectedly as he escapes from his brother Esau's hatred. And here's a little bit of the backstory. Jacob, always a schemer and usurper, has stolen the birthright and the blessing belonging to Esau as Isaac's firstborn. Jacob's grasping for status within the family results in danger and separation. Since to save his life, he must leave everything behind, including his beloved mother, Rebekah. It's interesting that Jacob's flight from the southern city of Beersheba to the northern city of Haran is the reverse of the celebrated journey of his grandparents, Abraham and Sarah, who traveled in faith from their homeland to the land that God promised their descendants. And mid-journey, at a site chosen because of nightfall and weariness and because he could not travel any further, Jacob has an extraordinary dream that changes his life. His dream discloses the hidden yet active presence of God at this chance stop along the way. God's ongoing engagement in the world and in Jacob's disrupted life is portrayed through this striking vision of stairs reaching from earth to heaven. This structure recalls the stepped mud brick mountain uniting heaven and earth prominent in Mesopotamian cities such as Babylon, a city whose name means <clears throat> gates of the gods. A Jacob on the move encounters this vision that's full of movement. Divine errand runners continually ascend and descend to do God's work in the world. Only the Lord appears stationary right at the top. Jacob is startled to recognize this place of God's indwelling as holy ground, as the house of God, the Hebrew meaning of the name Bethel, and he consecrates his rock pillow as a commemorative pillar that this place and Jacob's unexpected encounter with God might be known and remembered. Do you notice all the verbs included in the opening verses of the story? There's so much activity, but it is not activity focused on communing with God The verbs of pray or worship or listen or seek are not used. He leaves, he goes, he comes, he stays. The sun sets, he takes, he puts, he lays down. Eight verbs in two verses. So much movement and activity and rushing about. And then in the verse that follows, He dreams, he dreams, and in that dream, God comes to him. <clears throat> 
Jacob's dream is awe-inspiring and majestic. It's also intimate and personal. Angels ascending and descending a ladder to heaven. And God saying to Jacob, know that I am with you and will keep you always wherever you will go. God's words at Bethel initiate a covenant with Jacob, an enduring relationship committed to his well-being and to his future. The very God who in earlier generations established a covenant with Abraham and Isaac now speaks with Jacob about an enduring connection extended to his descendants. Alone and in a strange place, Jacob becomes part of this intergenerational relationship with God. God makes promises to Jacob. A promise that God will care for him, that he will return one day to this sacred place, that he will be given many descendants, and that widespread blessing will mark the abundance of the relationship that Jacob has with God. Ordinary people, including those such as Jacob, who have sinned, who are on the run, who are in a foreign land, are the recipients and the instruments of God's widespread blessing. It's the truth this story reveals. God announces that all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Earlier in the story of Genesis, after Jacob has fooled his father Isaac, who is old and whose eyesight is dim, into giving him his older brother Esau's birthright and blessing, Esau is heartbroken and he protests, have you only one blessing, father? Bless me also, father. He weeps in frustration at being excluded coveted blessing that destroys this family is countered with God's alternative vision. Rather than a limited blessing won through defeat and humiliation, God extends a prodigal blessing to all the families of the earth through Jacob and his descendants. And it all happens with a surprise encounter with God that occurs in a strange place, in an unexpected moment, en route to somewhere else along life's journey. And so I wonder, have you found God in unexpected moments and in unexpected places on your journey? Or perhaps a more accurate way to frame the question, has God found you in unexpected moments and unexpected places and done so in such a way that the path of your life was forever changed? In his book entitled A Testimony of Devotion, Tom Kelly, the Quaker mystic, writes about how God's love often sneaks up on us in a manner and in moments we do not expect. He tells the story of John Wilhelm Roundtree, 
How one day he left the office of a respected physician where he had just been told the heartbreaking news that his advancing blindness could not be stopped. As Kelly describes it, he stood by some railings for a few moments to collect himself when he suddenly felt the love of God wrap about him as though a visible presence enfolded him and a joy filled him in such a way that he had never known before. He writes, it was an amazing timeliness of God's invading love as the everlasting one stole about him in his sorrow. He adds, in my own life, I cannot report such an experience, but only unpredictable arrivals and fading out. Yet many are given the rich experience of finding the comfort and the presence of the eternal in moments where they do not expect it. I have a good friend and neighbor. His name is Tom Filato. Some of you might know Tom. He served for many years as the head football coach at Ridge High School. He was the guidance counselor at Ridge. He also happens to be a, a devout Roman Catholic. And you might remember hearing about the, the horrific incident that happened to Tom over 10 years ago. He was in his early 60s at the time, a, a fit guy, and he was out running one evening right around rush hour. And a FedEx delivery truck hit him and ran over him. The injuries were so severe that that the damage to his body so great that the medics, the first aiders who responded felt that for sure this would be the end for him. He and I spoke recently about that event. I'd never talked with him about it and I, we got to talking. And he said, Dennis, in that moment, lying there on the road, hearing the sirens, everyone busily trying to save my life, I sensed Christ's presence right there beside me. And a peace filled me. A sense of, of calm invaded me. And as they were caring for me, I, I knew that I was in his hands and that however it unfolded, I was going to be okay. And in the six weeks of being in the hospital for recovery and, and rehab and multiple surgeries, he continued to feel that sense of peace and that sense of Christ's companionship. He reminded me of how some years later, through an awful illness, he and his wife lost one of their adult children, a, a daughter who had a husband and a, a toddler child. I can't even imagine the pain and the loss of losing a child. And he looked at me, and there was a mix of both pain and peace, both of them in his face. And he said, Dennis, I knew even in that moment, my wife and I both did, that Christ was with us. U2 is an Irish rock band from Dublin, <clears throat> listened to <clears throat> and loved across the globe. In 2004, they released an album entitled, How Do You Dismantle an Atomic Bomb? 
And Yahweh is the name of one of the songs on that album. Its lyrics offer an intriguing perspective on the ability of God to transform ordinary things and people and places into something special, something sacred. And the song goes like this. Take these shoes, click clacking down some dead end street. Take these shoes and make them fit. Take this shirt, polyester, white, trash, made in nowhere. Take this shirt and make it clean. Take this soul, stranded in some skin and bones. Take this soul and make it sing. Yahweh, Yahweh, always pain before a child is born. Yahweh, Yahweh, still I'm waiting for the dawn. Take these hands, teach them what to carry. Take these hands, don't make a fist. Take this mouth, so quick to criticize. Take this mouth, give it a kiss. Yahweh, Yahweh, always pain before a child is born. Yahweh, Yahweh, still I'm waiting for the dawn. Friends, like Jacob, have you ever found yourself somewhere between a conflict-ridden past and an uncertain future? In limbo, landless, rootless, and with no real prospects for the future. And might that even be where you are right now? For God meets us in unexpected moments, in places of no particular significance, and changes the path of our life with his overflowing grace and his generous love. When we are en route to somewhere else with a totally different agenda on our mind is often exactly where our loving God meets us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.